Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So the promise is received how? By faith. Scripture says that in essence, faith is the key that unlocks everything for God. We know that because of the verse that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Why? Well, it's very important to God that we believe him because he's not a man that he should lie. Remember that, that joke? We'll just use it again. Some women are like, yeah, men are liars. No. No, he's not human that he should lie. That's really the point of it. So he, he wants us to take him at his word. He's big on that. He's big on giving his word and keeping his promises and dealing it with us. Dealing, bringing judgment, bringing blessing, whatever. He always deals with us through his promises and the word he's given. Always. He's just like that. He's the righteous judge of all the earth. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of what? Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. There's another great prophet. Some say he's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, Moses. Other prophets, Samuel, right? So let's read that again. Let's read that verse again, if you don't mind me. Thank you. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. Now, the law of Moses... Can anyone give me any examples of the law of Moses? How about the Ten Commandments? How about all the feasts and sacrifices? How about all the rules and regulations and decrees and laws? I believe the rabbis tell us to this day that there are 613 precepts. 613. Jesus, thank God for Jesus. He simplified it and said, love God and love others. And you can only love God and love others if you're walking in faith. Because faith works by love. Those two work in conjunction, okay? For Abraham is the father of all who believe. We're going to talk more about that. Let's go on to the next verse. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. Did you know he told Abraham that when Abraham had no kids? That's how God is. He, God God does things that are humanly impossible. He said, I've made you the father of many nations. Abraham's going, man, it's just me and my wife, and we're both getting older. We're both already senior citizens, you know. This happened because Abraham believed in what? The God who brings the dead back to life. And we're going to hesitate on this verse for a moment. I want to talk to you about this. The God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. You know, Scripture says, I love this question in the Old Testament. It says, at one point God says, Behold, I'm the Lord of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? At other times, Scripture says, Is the arm of the Lord shortened that it cannot save? Some of you in here, you, man, I don't know if it's for someone in the house. I feel the Spirit of God tonight. I don't know if it's for someone in this house or someone listening live, watching live, or someone who's going to listen to the audio later. I don't know who it's for, but it's for someone. Maybe for someone in all three categories. You've said, how could God forgive me? He says, I forgive. You've seen the bumper stickers over the year. He lives and he forgives. Oh, that is so true. He can forgive anything and everything. He can forgive and he will. 
your sin is not bigger than God. You say, man, can I, I don't know how I'm going to, can God restore me? Well, not in your own strength, but yeah, he is the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Jesus did both. You know, one time Jesus, he walked up and there was a widow whose only son had died. You know how sad of a story that is? A widow. So her husband's gone. Now her only son had died. You know what Jesus did? He stopped the funeral. He said, dear woman, don't cry anymore. And he told that boy, I don't know his age. He said, get up. One time he raised his friend back from the dead. Remember Lazarus? <laughs> One Christian comedian says, he says, man, I bet Lazarus was mad at Jesus about that because he had been in heaven for four days already. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I don't think he was mad at Jesus because he showed up at one of the feasts later, you know, to hang out with Jesus. This guy had purpose, you know. Jesus himself brought the dead back to life, and he created new things out of nothing. He said, when did he do that? Remember those big fish fries he'd give? All you can eat, fish and loaves. Created new things out of nothing. He's multiplying bread and fish in a miraculous fashion. The God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. You know what's amazing to me? Remember in Scripture we're taught that the day Jesus rose from the dead or that weekend that he was going to rise from the dead, there was also people that rose again. Can you imagine? People getting up out of their graves, walking around. That's the power of God. The God, I've got to say this again, I really want to hit this hard. The God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. You can come on over here, Mabel. You can come sit over here. Because if not, you're just going to be standing there going, what? What do I do? Even when there was no reason for hope. Oh, guys, this is powerful. Please, please really focus in here. Even when there was no reason for hope. Have you ever been in one of those situations? At least you thought you were in that situation. You're like, I don't see the hope. You've been there? If we're going to be honest with each other, we've all been there. Whether you were grieving someone, we talked about that in staff meeting today. Whether you're grieving someone, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a life, a parent, a family member, a brother, sister, a job, something. Man, you were heartbroken, disappointed. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Now notice, though, that the hoping led to something else. Hoping leads to believing. In my mind, it's always been the simple. I've said it so many times over the years while I've been pastoring this church, and that is hoping you say, God can do it. Something good can happen. Something great could come out of this. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I remember through some of my darkest times, I thought, man, it's going to be great when I get through this. I'm in it, but man, I can't wait to get on the other side of this. I think I'm going to be doing great once I get over this, and God works in me, and I, I make it through this trial. That's hope. But it says Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Without hope, you don't have faith. His hope left to believe, it led to belief, which is faith, going, uh, I don't just think that it could happen. I know it's going to happen. It will happen. Some of you have had faith like that. You may have had faith for a new house. You may have had faith for a restored relationship, the vehicle you, need, you needed, that impossible person in your family. You said, man, I don't know if they're going to make it, but man, there's hope. And But now, I, I know God can do it. I know he could do it. Man, I, there's, there's, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But then you go, no, I believe. Mm -mm. I've just crossed over from hoping to believing, knowing that God is going to do what he said. He's going to keep his promise. 
I've seen God do some impossible stuff. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen people, man, I've seen people have, have a family member come back out of the hospital that got prayed for or we were praying for, and they came back alive. People survived car wrecks. The stories my dad's told about his testimony. Man, some of the stuff I've been through, even physically, that I made it out, and I go, wow, that is amazing that I survived that. I'm not going to get into all of it because there's quite a few instances And you always get back to going, well, why are testimonies so important? Why do I bring up good news on on Wednesday nights more often than not? Because it builds up your hope, and then it starts to build your faith. You say, God, God, he did it. He'll do it again. We used to sing that song here years ago. He'll do it again. He's the the song we used to sing said, he'll do it again. He's the same now as then. What a good lyric. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. He didn't have any kids. How is he going to be the father of many nations? God changed his name from Abram, which meant exalted father, to Abraham, the father of many nations. All God did in English, right? I don't know about the original languages. All God did was what? He added two letters to his name, and he changed his name from exalted father to father of many nations. And he didn't have any kids yet. For God had what? God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Did you know at one point God took Abraham out of his tent and said, do you see the stars? Can you number them all? You know, there was no light pollution back then. So you could see a lot more stars than you can now, even if you couldn't count them. You're just looking at them, thousands. There's, there's discussions that, depending where you are on the planet, that you can see between 3,000 and 5,000 stars with the naked eye. But God knew in having Abraham look up at the heavens, God knew that there were hundreds of billions of stars and galaxies. And he said, look, based on what you can see, if you can count all these stars, okay, that's going to be how many descendants you're going to have. They're countless. That's how many descendants you will have. Wow, let's go on to the next verse. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he's, he's getting right at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. When he was 100, does anyone remember how old Sarah was? She was a little younger than him, and now, now that you said that, I think I'm, I've baffled myself. I think she was 90. Did, did, can anyone vouch for that? Anyone look that up? Would you look that up for me? Is that right? I think she was 90, right? You said that one, Brian. I said, wait, was she? What? I think she was 10 years younger than him. Abraham never wavered in, or about, wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, in, and in this he brought glory to God. Can you imagine not receiving what you've prayed for, what God has promised you, and it's been a while, and all you keep doing is growing stronger in your faith, like concrete that's curing. She was big 90, huh? Can you imagine the lady giving birth at night? Can you imagine a guy fathering kids at 100? Y'all are laughing. You're like, oh, my. They, they should be great, great grandparents by then. One man of God years ago said, he said, I imagine their faith was so strong that they had a special corner of one of their tents that had a nursery in it with a baby crib and everything. And people would come over and they go, this is for our baby. And people were looking at them going, what? That's not in Scripture or anything, but it helps you to imagine. Their faith was crazy. The Lord changed his name to Abraham, the father of many nations. So every time he gave his name, he's saying, I'm the father of many nations. 
That's why you got to be careful what you name your kiddos. Did you know every time I give my name, I'm saying, hi, I'm, I'm the gift of God. That's crazy. Hi, my name is Matthew. I'm, I'm confessing I'm the gift of God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Yeah, other scriptures, another scripture says, faithful is he that promise. If God said it, he's going to do it. And because of Abraham's faith, say, oh, because Abraham obeyed the law. Actually, Abraham was over 400 years before the law came into existence. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. What law? The Old Covenant, the Old Testament law, with all those precepts and commandments and everything else. And when God counted him as righteous, oh, listen to this. What is righteousness? What's that? Right standing with God. It just means you're right with God. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. You stand in a good place with God. When God counted him as righteous, as right, in other words, when God counted Abraham as right with himself, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, huh? It was recorded. Why? Let's keep going on that. It was recorded for our benefit too. Oh, yes. Assuring us. That God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Let's, let's hang on. Let's hang on right there. Let's hang out right there just for a moment. So Abraham's story, all of stories and scriptures are for what? To tell us what to do or what not to do. I think I can put all the stories in scripture under those two categories. What to do or what not to do. This Sunday, you're going to get a whole lot of what not to do and, a, and some of what to do in being a good child of God. But for our benefit, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. You just got to believe. I know we struggle with our doubts. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Jesus asked a man, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sounds like a dichotomy. It sounds paradoxical, almost like he's saying two things. But what the man meant was, Lord, I believe, but there's areas in my heart that still struggle with doubt. That's for all of us in here, huh? Because we don't have perfect faith about everything all the time. You guys are, man, during your week. How many of you work in a job where, and I know there's a lot of ladies in here that manage households and do other things, and you all work in different ways. But how many of you work in a job alongside unbelievers who confess doubt, unbelief, and negativity throughout the week. Raise your hand. Even some cuss words thrown in for good measure, huh? Boy, that messes with us sometimes. That's not you. You have confessed Jesus. You are a believer. That's not you, people of God. Men and women, at the sound of my voice tonight, that's not you. Don't let their junk rub off on you. Don't start having an evil heart of unbelief. God is real serious about you continuing to believe him. I don't think we lost a ton of people during COVID just because of this church is, is founded on the rock. And I believe, man, we got a bunch of great people that just love God here. They just really do. But there are churches that lost half their congregation or more during COVID. And people used it as an excuse to go, well, I guess we won't go back to church. You know how many people I've talked to and said, well, we didn't go back after COVID. Well, what are you doing now? Is it still COVID? What's going What the devil, right? What the devil is going on with you? I don't usually do that. My dad's more, more my dad's style, huh? Say, well, what's wrong with you? You don't want to die and go to hell. You know, dad will just drop bombs on people. Boom! 
were talking about that in Bible study last night. Like, whoa! There, there's three. There's three, <laughs> there's three types of male pastors in this ministry. Okay. Um, and, and Jen is she's a lady, so she's a pastora, but she's a lady pastor. But there's dad, and then there's me, and then there's John, and there's less tactful, a little, or let's see, not tactful. Let's say, let's say. Um, Politically correct, socially acceptable. It just, it just it, it changes from person to person. And my dad says stuff sometimes, but he messes with people. Sometimes I'm going, man, there's no way that's going to work. And people are all convicted. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Dad will just put on his gloves, man, weighted gloves, and just hit body blow. Boom, you know. People are like, oh, you know, he just catch them off guard. And I, I'll be honest, I do say, you, you guys know me, especially since COVID, man, I get up here and say some crazy stuff sometimes. But it's what I believe according to Scripture. And I think that, look, Scripture says in the beginning of Romans, it says, the Apostle Paul is quoted as saying this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Why would I be ashamed of that? I'll never forget my first day of school in Hobbs, New Mexico. I don't know why I was in a new school. I don't know. I was 10 years of age in fifth grade. And this still resounds in me because just because it just wasn't my finest moment. But I remember the first day in lunch, I didn't have any friends yet. And nobody cared what I was doing. But I remember I went to pray for my food. And I don't know exactly how it went down, but I think I pretended that there was something in my eye. <laughs> Oh, Lord, God bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. And, man, I was 10 years old, and I felt so convicted. And I remember telling the Lord that day, Lord, I'm so sorry I did that. I will never be ashamed again. And throughout school, after that, the rest of my school age years here in Hobbs, man, starting in fifth grade, I remember that I'd always just bow my head and pray, and people would go, you know, some people react differently. Some go, dang, you're praying? That's cool. And others go, are you praying? You know? Well, yeah, why don't you pray, you know? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You should not be ashamed either. Invite everybody you can to church. You're not embarrassed of Jesus, and you're not embarrassed of me. We're, we're going to preach the truth. Say, man, I don't know, man, Pastor, the, Pastor Matt's crazy because he, he's going to mention hell in almost every sermon. I just did it in this one. Did you see that? He's going to mention Jesus. He's going to mention sin. you got to live right. To make heaven, you accept Jesus, but then you live right as well. And those are not popular anymore. Did you know people have started watering down the word now? Great men and women of God have been questioned. Say, what's your stance on homosexual marriage? What's your stance on heaven and hell? What, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And they struggle with an answer. You know what helps me? I know I'll always be counted as righteous for believing in him and sharing my faith and being a light even when I'm not saying anything, just by example. But if I will always go back, and this, this is a real simple way to remember this. I always go back and go, you know what? Even if someone corners me, I just go, I just believe what the Bible says. They may catch you off guard sometimes. Say, man, what do you believe in? Why? And, man, are you a hater? And you don't, people should be able to love who they want. Sure. You do whatever you want. God gives us that option as humans. You live like the devil if you want. Go first class. You can pick heaven or hell. You can choose Jesus or reject him. Do whatever you want. But I believe what Scripture says. I believe what Scripture says. It takes a lot of pressure off of us. 
Say, man, did you, oh, are you, are you saying, yeah, I'm saying what Scripture says. It says that there's sin and that the only way to heaven is through the cross. That's it. I didn't come up with that. I'm not smart enough to have come up with all this. It's already been written. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Let's go to the next verse. Jesus, that's who he, he was handed over to die because of our sins. Not for his sins. Scripture says he was like a lamb to the slaughter. He was perfect without fault. He was sinless and blameless. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life. Look at this. Oh, my goodness, to make us right with God. Let me read that verse again. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. That is incredible. He died for our sins and then rose again to make us right with God. Beautiful. Let's go on to the next verse. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Is this 5-1? All right. We're going to stop here tonight, but let's read this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. How have we been made, made right in God's sight? By faith. Okay, I didn't want to hear any faith. <laughs> you know, the, the question answer. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, oh, praise God, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I'm not at war with God. I'm not running from him. You know all these songs, oh, sinner man, where are you going to go? Sinner, not senna. S-I-N-N-E-R. I had a girl in school, she used to tell me, Matt, you're just an old sinner man. I said, senna, S-E-N-A, right? That's a play on words, right? I don't have to run from God. I don't have to hide like Adam and Eve did. I'm not ashamed. Man, why? Because of what Jesus did. He died for our sins, and then he rose again to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. You know what peace with God means? It means peace eternally with everything. All is right. Someone say, all is right. Mm -hmm. Once you've accepted Jesus, you know who you are in Christ. You're free? Oh, man. Scripture says, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. What does indeed mean? You're truly free. That's all. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. You